Welcome to episode 178 of The Cool Room. Uh, I'm your host, David Griffiths, and Good Beer Week is so close that I think if I reach out my hand, I can grab it. Uh, It's super exciting. This is the sixth and I think final of our lead up to Good Beer Week episodes. There are some great uh, conversations back in the archives over the last few episodes. If this is the first one that you've found, please go back and check them all out. But we have a ripper episode for you today. We're going to be catching up with Talina Menzies, uh, executive chef at the Australian Venue Company and the brains behind the hair of the dog breakfast food that we're going to be eating in just one week's time. Uh, A great chat with Talina and lots of insights into both the beers that we'll be enjoying as part of that breakfast and the thoughts that go into the food. And of course, just her general journey through the world of hospitality and cool rooms. Uh, We'll be catching up with Julia Ponty from the Footscray Traders Association. Why are we talking to the Footscray Traders Association, you might ask? Well, because during Good Beer Week, they're running not one, but two special uh, crawls through Footscray opportunities to visit some of Footscray's best bars. They're already sold out since we did the interviews. I don't know whether it was us doing the interviews that caused that. Almost certainly not, but let's take the credit where it's available. Uh, So that's a really fun conversation. And then we have the second half of our discussion between Mr Warren Wu and myself and Christian from Your Mates Brewery up in Queensland. Uh, And we still have beers available for that. And look, we have the Carwin black boxes coming in very soon. The logistics gnomes have figured out that what we need to do is create some space. We have got some unbelievable deals coming up just because we need to genuinely make space in the cool room. This is one of those ones where we say, don't tell the accountants, just get over to the Shopify because we're going to do each of the following six packs for just $25. That's basically below the cost that we're buying them in at. We need the space uh, and the support is really appreciated. If you get four of these six packs, basically if you make your own slab, uh, then I'll refund a bit of the money and you can have the slab for $90. So just think about some of the beers that we've had on the show lately. If you're new to the podcast, you can go back and listen to the previous episodes while we discuss these beers with the brewers. Uh, a really great way to enjoy yourself and enjoy the podcasts. So we've got Burnley Brewing. We've got Other Side Brewing. We've got Range. We've got Reckless, Seven Mile, Slow Lane, Sunshine Coast, uh, Shore, Brewing, uh, Urban Alley, who are the most recent guests other than your mates and your mates as well. So $25, six packs. Just Google Cool Room Shopify. Uh, You'll come up with our page and go through and pick out the ones you want. If there's any confusion, just send me a message at coolroompodcast at gmail.com and I'll make sure that I can do a deal for you. Uh, really appreciate the support and really appreciate the, uh, the help in making sure that we've got enough space to land all of these amazing Carwin black boxes. Uh, and if you've missed out on buying one of them, again, shoot us a message uh, because I know a couple of people may not be able to go ahead with their order, so we might have a couple pop up. So uh, the beers in that black box are amazing. Go back and check out those episodes for more information. And look, while I'm spruiking things, let's find a time to catch up in the flesh. Uh, Friday night at Gab's, if you're listening to this, like literally within 24 hours of this podcast going live, we'll be at Gab's. So if you're at Gab's on Friday night, look out for the Cool Room crew. 
Sunday afternoon, we've got a contingent going along to the Brewery Brawl, uh, which is going to be part of Good Beer Week with Moondog, with the Renegades of Wrestling. Uh, it should be an excellent afternoon. If you've never been to pro wrestling before, don't worry. There'll be lots of cool room friends there to hold your hand and explain what's going on. Hair of the Dog Breakfast, you're going to hear no end of, uh, of ads for that during this episode, so I won't get, dwell on that one anymore. Uh, the Sierra Nevada night, we've got Steve Grossman all the way from California in Melbourne, one night only at Beer Deluxe on the 31st of March, uh, 31st of May, I should say. Uh, make sure you're part of that. Uh, and then the next of our online episodes uh, where you can, no matter where you are in Australia, jump on Zoom with us on Thursday nights and, uh, and hear us talking to brewers have the chance to ask your questions and interact with them. And we've got Bacchus Brewing and the six-pack associated with that is amazing. Not on discount, that one, because uh, some of the things that are in there, we're talking big beers, big flavours, uh, and it should be a really special episode. Uh, look, we love the support that all of these Good Beer Week episodes have, uh, have got us. Uh, we love the fact we've got new listeners coming in, certainly from all around Australia, all around the world. If you can... Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Rate and review us, uh, and make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you can, share the fact that you're listening to the podcast. Uh, that's the way that word gets out amongst the beer community. We know that craft beer lovers uh, respect other craft beer lovers' opinions, and if you're saying this is your favourite craft beer podcast, word will get around, we get more listeners, we get more opportunities to have some of these really big, fun guests uh, look, let's waste no more time on spruiking. Let's get straight to our first conversation with Talina Menzies. Well, we're here for the last of our podcasts leading up to the Hair of the Dog Breakfast, one of my favourite days of the year, without question. And I am super pumped and excited to be joined by Talina Menzies. Talina, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. It's excellent to have you Thanks on. Thanks for having me on. Super excited to have a chat. Look, this is the best bit about having a podcast like this. It's that I get to speak to all of the people that I'm a bit fanboy about and I can pretend that it's kind of work-related. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, look, let's kick off. For people who have uh, been to the Hair of Dog Breakfast before or events at Beer Deluxe, they'll know you well. But for people who've never met you before, let's do the introduction and let's do the uh, Talina Menzies story. What is your official title at Beer Deluxe Australian Venue Company? Uh, yeah, so Beer Deluxe is uh, fortunately one of um, my brands that I look after. So my role is executive chef. I look after around 45-ish venues. Um, at Colburn Regional New South Wales and, um, you know, up in Hotham and stretching up the coast. So, uh, yeah, all things, master of nothing. Um, but, yeah, just I'm there to try to be as successful as I can be and, you know, really fortunate to look after some really dynamic uh, brands and really diverse uh, portfolio of venues. So we've got anywhere from the, the most iconic venue in the country, as I would say, is the uh, the SV down in um, St Kilda to, you know, we've got we've got boozers, you know, we've got the more refined uh, immense CBD like the Garden States Hotels of the world. So, yeah, really, really exciting job and it definitely keeps me on my toes. I was going to ask what a normal day or a normal week in your life looks like. 
But is there such a thing as a normal week or is every <laughs> week different? <laughs> I, there's, no, there's no such thing. I've been asked many times to summarise my role and, and, it, and it's really hard. Like I do... I get in there, I do everything, no work, uh, no working week is the same. And I think that's why I love the role. Um, there's always new things happening, always new um, curveballs being thrown in um, to the mix. But, yeah, we're, we're constantly on the move. We're constantly opening venues and, and, and redeveloping brands. So, um, yeah, no week is quite like the other, which I think suits my personality because I'm, yeah, all over the shop sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, to get a role like that, You've, it would take a whole career to get to this point. Was there a point way back in that past where where you thought, I know what I want to be, it's a chef? Was there an aha moment? Was there a particular meal or something that really sticks with you as a thing of where you went, wow, this is this food is great. I want to be part of of making food and sharing it with people like you do. Yeah, so to be honest, I'll tell you the, the, the truth. I wanted to do, originally when I was younger, younger, I wanted to do graphic design and photography. I, I'm, a, I'm a creative um, and I love, um, yeah, art and, and all those sort of things. I'm a visualist, obviously. That's how I learn. That's how I communicate. Um, I, my grandparents, they're very good, very traditional, sat me down and showed me how many jobs there were in the local paper and the reality sort of set in that, you know, maybe I didn't need to put my focus on other things. Um, funnily enough, um, I've always loved cooking. I love eating. Um, you know, I think food is the centre of, you know, family and community and, and being able to share a meal is, is a really special thing and we're very fortunate to do that. But my uncle, two of my uncles are chefs. My grandma um, was an amazing uh, cook and cook, can make a pavlova not like no other. Um <laughs> So, yeah, look, always had a love for food uh, and, yeah, dove right in um, to the industry, which uh, brought me to where I am today. Did you did you start out cooking with them or did you go off to culinary school? There are so many different ways, I guess, particularly in 2023 that people might be starting off their careers. How did you start yours? Yeah, I... I... I actually was lucky enough to land uh, away and back back in the day the hotels were the ducks nuts right so um, really good training facility um, so I started uh, dipping yeah dip my toe in there while I went to college so I did like one day a week which was awesome because I got to go out and meet other chefs and share stories and probably complain about about my boss at the time so it was um, a really great <laughs> foundation for, for, for learning and, and they were really supportive and um, big hotels come with a lot of really great perks alongside it as well. So it was a really great place for me to, to, to learn and I could do banqueting and cafe and a la carte and fine dining and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, really great um, foundation. And, and obviously walking in, you know, the mo- most important thing is probably the team. Like walking into a kitchen, you walk in and doesn't matter where you come from, where you've been, um, you walk in and everybody's equal. Um, you all wear the same uniform and, and that's kind of where I felt uh, really comfortable and I was hooked. I love it. In the, in the kitchens that I've worked with rather than in, but in the venues that I've had, we always describe it as a bit of a pirate ship, which is it doesn't really matter sort of how you wash <laughs> on the exactly. ship. But once you're there, you're as much part of the team as anyone else and it's a yeah, much exactly. more democratic process than people might realise. 
Yeah, we're a bunch of misfits, right? So, um, but we're, I didn't say it like that. We're, we're family and, and we support each other. Well, I'm saying it like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, they're very supportive. And that's what I, I've always loved uh, loved about that, you know, kitchen community and, and in and outside of, you know, our own venues. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big extended family. Is there a bit of advice that you now, being the worldly experienced Talina that you are, would give to first day in the kitchen Talina or, I guess, to anyone who's listening and thinking about starting a career like yours? You know, what's what's the one thing, looking back, that you wish you'd known on that first day as you walked in? Um, I think if, if there's any advice, no, I can't really remember. It was like 20-something years ago, so I have a different blur, <laughs> but... I think any advice I would give is um, be, you know, obviously, you know, we talk about resilience and stuff, but, you know, make sure that you're in a really supportive, creative environment and somewhere where you're learning and you're supported while whilst learning, I think is really important. Um, you know, and when you feel like make, making sure that you're working alongside somebody that will invest time um, and the effort into your learning, I think is one of the most valuable. And don't be afraid to move. Don't be afraid to get stagnant. Don't be afraid to move to learn. Don't, but don't move because you have a hard day. We all have hard days and it doesn't matter. Even I still have hard days now and sometimes you can get a little bit defeated by a service that doesn't go to plan. But I think, um, yeah, don't try to progress too quickly, um, you know, because that can also, um, you can struggle later on. So, yeah, take the time when you're learning, when you're new to, to sort of learn as much as possible and the beauty of this job is we never stop learning. That's, look, that's great advice. It's, you know, great advice for anyone thinking about coming to work in kitchens. We often hear similar things from breweries and brewers. And, of course, I've been hanging out with wrestlers again in the last few days, recording some interviews in preparation <laughs> for Brewery Brawl 3 with Moondog. But it's exactly the same kind of thing. It's about sometimes you've got to leave the country, sometimes you've got to go interstate. But... Um, you never stop learning, and I think that if people have that kind of focus, you know, it's a, a real opportunity to have a long career and an enjoyable career if you're always thinking about what the new thing might be. Exactly. One of the other questions that we ask our brewers when they come on, one of our traditional questions is, you know, what's your favourite piece of equipment in the brewery? Uh, and I guess we could ask the same thing. Is there, is there a thing that, you know, when you move into a new venue and are helping to set that up, that you go, look, we've just got to get one of these, this is the thing that can pull you out of the weeds on a Friday night when things are flat out or can make a little special thing, you know. For some brewers, it's the most simple of things and for some, it's the most expensive <laughs> you can imagine. Um, oh, there'd be a couple. I think things, I, I love toys, um, like any chef does, and I love to spend money. So if I had, <laughs> um, if, I, if I wanted the pony, right, not the needs, but the want, which is the pony, I would, you know, a really amazing wood fire grill. Um, oh, yeah. I think the flavour and stuff that you get off something like that and cooking is just you can't um, you can't replicate. It's just amazing. But I think one of the things that I use more than anything would be um, a probe and a like a little utility knife that I, I, I carry in my pocket, just to open boxes. They're just the simple things in life, opening a box and, and, you know, whatever would need to be done, trimming plastic off stuff for, um, yeah, I think they are the things that I probably try and find the most. 
And a good spoon I, to sauce with. I understand about the knife. I get that completely because it's always the, the way, you know, cool room on a Friday night when you're trying to open up a new box of beer, I'm sure there's a chef equivalent, but that's the box that you find has got the five layers of packing tape on it and is just the least openable. Other days, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but life is simple. Something magic happens at 4.30 on a Friday where... Yeah. Look, that's a nice little transition, a nice little segue for us. We love our segues. Let's start to talk about brewers. We've got some great brewers coming along for the Hair of the Dog breakfast. Um, let's start to, you know, are you excited for this year? I'm so excited. Um, it's actually my third year doing uh, the Hair of the Dog and just um, being involved in Good Beer Week. So, obviously, um, my passion is cooking for beer events. I've done a heap of them. It's where I feel like I belong. Um, I've worked, you know, alongside some amazing breweries, Wolf of the Willows, sort of more than most, but just done some absolutely spectacular events um, with some of the best of the best. And, yeah, I look forward to this moment. The weather's turned cold. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's Melbourne and, and winter can be tough, but this brings warmth to my heart in winter. Before we talk about the hair of the dog we're going to be doing in 2023, Look, I've been lucky. I've been there for the last few that you've done. Are there any particular dishes or pairings that have stood out to you as just ones that stick in your memory? Yeah, oh, from the past. Well, from what the past, we're, we're leading into. anything sticks in your memory from that. Yeah. Hmm. I did, yeah, last year was, I definitely, like every year I pushed the boundaries and, you know, know what the limitations are. And I, I not only try to entertain and, and challenge the customer we get a lot of repeat and which is really great to see and, and um they're really excited that i'm still there doing the menu and, and um as well as coming to the beers now we get a lot of people coming back for the food as well as the beer which is which is really um which also warms my heart so i think every year i try to push to get better and, and you know being in my in my role you know, working for a pub group, I've got, it is very diverse, but I can't always cook what I want. And with the Good Beer Week events, I can cook whatever the hell I want. I can, I challenge myself to do different things, different sources, curing stuff, and really break the mould of what a breakfast should be. Um, so, yeah, I think I did a really, the um, ramen in the egg uh, last year from memory, which was with the, um, with the pork foam and we set the egg and slow cooked like a, an egg in, in the actual egg show, which was a bit of a hit. Um, I normally, I haven't done a pie this year, but I normally do some really cool pies, which I, I'm a big fan of a pie and, and very fond of a pie report when I go to a country town. Um, but yeah. And then I did a really cool, like cobia bacon um, and I made a sausage out of seafood last year. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, but this the- year, the, bacon, the bacons are often the thing, aren't they? Have we got a bacon to look forward to this year? Um, we, yeah, we do, but we don't, it, 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 not as you would know it. Would you believe we're doing a barramundi bacon this year? Now, that sounds pretty exciting to me. Um, 100%. In terms of the texture, have you had a play with this already? Do you know what it's going to be like? Or yeah, this... yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I work with actually a local Farmer, uh, not farmer, a local business. And would you believe there's barramundi grown in Victoria? Well, you do now. Um, <laughs> I didn't. 
until I was developing a, a, a totally Victorian concept um, and had to find out everything I could utilise. So amazing barramundi from the guys of um, Infinity Blue and they have um, farms around the country, but they do all the hatching and stuff here in Victoria. So they produce this beautiful um, barramundi with spring water, the same that comes out of the hot peninsula hot springs, which is really cool. Um, it's a perfect temperature. So they do this beautiful barramundi and we're going to smoke it. We're going to rub some, you know, um, spices through there. Um, and I've started having a look at Piggy through some of the beer notes. So now that they're finalised, and it's hard to get beer notes for this because all these are one-off beers, right? So I think that's um, kind of the exciting part of, of this event is, they, the, you know, our amazing brewers, they don't know what the beers are necessarily going to turn out like and you know, we can sort of then adapt and, and play around with the food. So, yes, the in short, I have tried the barramundi bacon and it's bloody delicious. I can't wait for that. Um, I, I also can't wait for the fact that we've recorded an interview with each of the brewers in the last couple of weeks, often before they've tasted their own beers. That's on record now. That's in the archives. Listeners can go back and hear each of the last four or five episodes has got one of the brewers but like you're suggesting there, I can't wait to have them actually accountable for what they said was going to come out uh, of the barrel and to see whether that's what we're tasting uh, on Friday morning when we're all there together. Were there any beers, that, yeah, were there any beers in that lineup that, that really caught your eye and that you're looking forward to? Let's not go through every single one of them. But were there any no, beers? that's okay. Well, look, um, I have done quite a few events now with, you know, the guys from Three Ravens, love the guys from... Um, Deeds and, and big fan of uh, Dollar Bill. But Tallboy Moose, really excited. Never worked with the, the crew from Tallboy Moose before. They're just down the road. I live in Preston. I should have gone there. And I definitely am. It's on my ever-growing list. Um, but look, they're yabby. They're yabby beer. Obviously, you know, like an oyster stout and doing sort of a yabby tank. But that's sort of captured. I'm a massive seafood fan. I love playing with seafood. So, um, and... Uh, yeah, I, it's going to go really well. I'm actually bringing a version of the seafood sausage back, and now that I know that it's got yabby in it, you will find some beautiful, sweet little yabby tails in in a, a bit of a take on a bunning sausage sizzle, which is my favourite breakfast item on a Sunday morning. Now, I'm not sure... You've given me a real moral quandary here because yabbies are one of my favourite things in the world. My childhood was all about going and gathering yabbies just hands down one of my favourite foods. Same. But that's not the beer they're bringing anymore. Oh. Which I sort of feel like I can always edit around this or I might just leave it in. But <laughs> this, is, this is the moment where you find out that David wants the yabby sausage on and that there is no yabby beer to accompany it. No, that's okay because um, I, I actually wrote a heap of seafood into it. So it, it can be – I put it sort of in – um, a smoked um, Aquana Murray cod with like cheese sort of sausage. So I can adapt that sausage to whatever. Um, and to be honest, what, what I've done with the menu as well is I've done some of the most iconic classic breakfast items that you would um, think about breakfast, but reimagined. So they're definitely not going to be as you would think. So we can, we can roll with it. We can, we can make anything happen. This is fantastic. What just needs to happen is that whoever's working front of house comes and tells me that it's yabby when they hand it over and then describes it as you want to everyone else in the room and everyone will be happy, I'm sure. <laughs> Not a problem. 
We look. We're looking forward to having you on the, on the Friday morning at Beer Deluxe, uh, being able to explain to us the dishes that are coming out. So we won't waste. Uh, well, we won't spend any more time right now doing that because we want people to hear from you directly uh, at the Hair of the Dog Breakfast. Uh, tickets still available on the Good Beer Week website. But I do need to ask our sort of traditional call room question here. We're 178 episodes in. We've now heard 178 different versions of what chefs and brewers and front of house have found in cool rooms. Is there something over your journey over the last 20 years where you've walked into a cool room and seen something you didn't expect? Is there something confronting or amusing? <laughs> something that's not going to get us both food? Yeah, I've seen a lot um, in 25 years of, of being in the industry. Some things we probably will go PG. Um, I found one of my chefs asleep once in the beer cool room. That's not yeah. too bad. Was it, was it, were they clothed? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, unlike some of the other things I've seen. But, yes, they were fully <laughs> clothed. Um, they were missing for ages and they came out bloody freezing cold. This was a lot, very long time ago, by the way, just to confirm. Um, yeah, many years ago. It was in London. But, uh, yeah, found a chef. Yeah. Snoring their head off in the cool room. They were sneaking off for a little nap. And then we were literally calling them, looking for them, wondered why they hadn't rocked back off shift. And this is back in London. So quite often it wasn't uncommon to sneak off to the pub for a couple of pints um, in between service back in the day. So, um, yeah, found him in the sleep. And he's like, you didn't get hypothermia. <laughs> I've got to say, this is the bit that confuses me here is normally in Australia, uh, people sneak off to the cool room for a bit of a sleep or a relax on a stinking hot summer's day because the cool room's the cool place to be. In London, was the cool room warmer than being out in the weather? Was that sort of the... Yeah, some days. I'll tell you a story. So we, I worked big catering company, and at Christmas we did goose, comfy goose, and we would get all the goose legs. They would rock up on the back loading dock, and you could leave them there and pick from them to start prepping them because it was colder than the cool room. Ah. <sighs> I yeah. totally believe you. I totally believe you. I'm so yeah. glad that I've never tried to run a venue under those circumstances. There's probably people yeah. in England there going, how do you possibly operate in a 45-degree day? That's not hard once you know what you're doing. That's not hard, yeah. I think um, I'm pretty sure he was hungover, so he's probably just trying to cool himself down. No doubt. We, we are very familiar with those kinds of stories. Nothing like that, of course, occurs in the Beer Deluxe cool rooms. It is a very ship-shape area there. Oh, would you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to say anyway, because none of us want to get in strife on that front. <laughs> Jolino, well, thank you for taking time out of your ridiculously busy days. Uh, this hopefully is whetting people's appetite, not just for the food, but for the enthusiasm that comes out of your kitchens. Uh, it's something to behold. And um, you're going to be a central part of our Hair of the Dog breakfast on the 26th. I'm excited. I'll see you soon. Thank you. See you soon. And now we've got something a bit different here in the cool room. We've been talking to uh, all sorts of venues. We've been talking to all sorts of brewers and breweries about what they've got planned for Good Beer Week. But now we're going to talk to a whole suburb or at least we're going to talk to a person who's going to represent a whole suburb. We're joined now by Julia. Julia is the president of the Footscray Traders Association. Welcome inside the cool room, Julia. 
Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And no pressure there of representing all of Footscray, am I? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's a, it's, I'm sure you're up to this gig. It's, um, it sounds like you've been around and you know the Footscray area very well. I'm sure you wouldn't get to be president of the Traders Association if you didn't. Uh, but look, let's start. We've got listeners here in Melbourne. They'll know Footscray. We've got listeners from around Australia. They might know Footscray. We've got listeners from overseas and they probably don't. So just give us a little bit of that background as to where the suburb is and what makes it such a special place. Jeez, I don't know where to start with that one, but I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> so uh, Footscray is an inner city suburb of Melbourne. Uh, it's in the western suburbs. So uh, you've got Melbourne CBD, and I always try to guide people through the original football teams as the inner city suburbs. Yeah, you're dealing with an old Fitzroy fan here, so <laughs> get tricky. Oh, no. <laughs> I say that sympathetically because, yeah, um, being a history kid, I... Um, yeah, look, I'm, um, yeah, okay, I won't, let's not go down that path. But yeah, so you got Footscray is, uh, the, I guess, the initial suburb that you get once you leave the grid. Um, and it, geez, it goes back to 1880s industrial time. Uh, and again, following those football teams in inner city suburbs. And then bring us all the way up to the 50s, Industrial Revolution. Well, sorry, not the revolution, pause that. <laughs> uh, about Fordism, I suppose, is the is the uh, technical <laughs> thing. But basically, what happened was that, um, yeah, the industry in the area kind of changed, and it became more, I guess, of a um, migrant um, place than, as opposed to actually just industry. So, again, just to just to explain that, uh, a lot of our inner city suburbs had a massive working class, so a lot of pubs, a lot of um, Yep, sports and I guess a lot of British, typically uh, Western European migrants, but that was, again, like about a lot of Melbourne story. But Footscray really had a bit of a tipping point when the became more known for migrants in the 50s and 60s was Italians, um, predominantly. I'm not saying there was definitely just a Greek influence as well at that time period. And then in the 80s, it would be the uh, 80s, 90s, Vietnamese came through, uh, started to settle there, and then uh, in more recent history, the last 20 years, African migrants. Um, reason for that being it's just where a lot of facilities uh, are available for people arriving in Australia. So uh, that's available to them, but, yeah... And I guess um, alongside all of that, we've seen, you know, the effects on the kind of food and restaurants. And as you say, you mentioned there the pubs, but they, all of these things have gone through iteration after iteration, haven't they, in terms of the kind of food fare that you can get in your restaurants out there? Well, that's, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that that does start with the Italians and being Italian-Australian myself, I might be biased. But, yeah, no, it's something that ha has been from that migrant generation. And that's not restricted to Footscray. That is actually something that you'd see in Carlton, uh, you know, when it comes to Italians or when you want to talk about Greeks in Oakley or, you, you know, you Box Hill for, say, um, Eastern-oriented um, food culinary. But, um, 
Yeah, so no, definitely for migrants. And then you've got like a lot of Vietnamese plate restaurants as well. So I suppose that was kind of like their skill set that came in uh, from these migrant groups. And that's something that they could translate into was their food. And I suppose that's also giving into the community and sharing and embracing one another, which is definitely something that Footscray is still very much known for. Then it's cafes as well. And obviously drinking culture. Um, that's not in the form of beer, but cocktails and coffees a lot of coffee options especially african coffee mm. superb <laughs> and um i guess let's talk about the event that you've got planned because you're going to take people on a bit of a tour where they can learn about all of these sorts of things through some of the great venues that are out there now we've spoken to quite a few of the breweries that are located out that way but let's talk about the venues that you've got so let's let's give the details first david let's be let's be clever here you're doing one event on Sunday, the 21st of May. That's already sold out. So now we're dealing with Saturday, the 20th of May. Uh, you're running a special event that day. What, are you, what have you got planned? Where are we going to be going? We're going to start back alley Sally. So my whole intention is, yeah, so with Footscray, uh, for just to, just to rewind a slight second, uh, in part of that uh, 1880s to, 18, to 1950s, sorry, uh, there was a lot of, uh, Footscray was a bit of a commute and a station for people that were traveling between Geelong and Melbourne CBD. So there's a lot of actual pubs and, and motels that were, uh, watering holes. Uh, yeah, horse and cart parks. Some would have a brew, have a nap and then go home out to Geelong or bridge their stay in Melbourne. So. I'm really trying to bring attention to that for people outside of Footscray and even people within Footscray that might not even know that, but how we've also changed our drinking style. So we start off at Back Alley Sally's, which is near, and it's on Hopkins Street, there's just about before it converts into Dining Road, and we go and put, place people in a location that was industrial. There was... Arnott's building there at one point. So the, all that and how it, now these industrial, zone, industrial places are getting converted into uh, event spaces and a dining space and a place for people to drink. Uh, um, we then take a walk up Hopkins, past the Footscray Market, past Franco Cotso's because everyone would complain if we didn't. <laughs> and, uh, and people oh. will have heard, for people who want to learn more about the Franco Cotso story as it currently stands, go back and check our archives for previous editions with Moondog and you'll learn all about that there. So we don't need to cover that one off here and there. You're still walking down the street. We've gone past Franco Cotso, gone past the market. Where are we getting to next? We're going to Mr West. So Mr West is uh, an amazing place uh, and that's in Nicholson Street Mall. So that place in itself has gone through many different face changes uh, and the the type of shops that have occupied it so there's a lot of history at that point uh, and that's just right before Hopkins becomes Barclay Street actually uh, but yeah so we're stopping Mr West where they've got a lot of international beers um, yeah I think they're going to do Canadian pint of origin just for those people who are playing at home and picking their pints of origin story so shout out to our good mates over at Mr West will you be indulging in Canadian beers or aiming for something a bit more local I, I left that to them to decide. I, I do give the venues a free reign to decide what they want to promote. They, they know what uh, I do give them that liberty of choosing what they want. But I'm well aware uh, Caleb, one of the owners, he's, uh, he loves his Canadian beer. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he asked me and I'm like, I, I, I don't mind. It's fine. <laughs> um, but after that, we go to Cheeky Pint, which was a hotel. Um, 
that now is a standalone pub and actually has apartments behind it. So it's a great example of how the, the changes that take place and bits of Old Grey remain and get converted. And, yeah, that's a really great, like, footy pub is what I refer to it as. Um, and then yeah. keep going down Barclay, we end up at Bar Josephine's, which is one of my personal favourites to hang out. Uh, I know a lot of the bar staff there. Uh, can definitely catch me on most Sunday nights there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's actually the calm before the storm, I like to call it, uh, part of my week. So, um, and that's a great, um, Aaron Donato, the owner, has done a superb job of that place. And it's, it's definitely a local favourite. They have a lot of independent brews on tap, uh, quite known for it, being on the crafty side. And uh, then we end up venturing down, actually going to the end of Barclay and taking a lift and going to Victoria Hotel, which is what I initially stated, one of our, the classic kind of watering holes of Footscray, was a, a pub hotel that is now a gluten-free pub. So It's been ages since I've been there, so I know it's gone through some changes. And I, look, I absolutely echo your shout-out for Aaron there. We love Bar Josephine. Uh, everyone who listens to the podcast who lives in Australia, at least I reckon, has been there at one stage or another. But tell us what's been happening out of the Victoria, because I know that that's, well, educate me, because quite genuinely it's been a while since I've set foot in that part of the world. They, so... Again, what has happened, I guess, for a lot of businesses after COVID, they've gone ahead and hit the ground running and they found that there was a lot of returning customers. They've got a very, the great thing about, my biased opinion is the great thing about places like that. It's biased when you, I'm I, as a history kid, I love the old eclectic look. I suppose that if that is a, uh, that you get from places like that. So they've definitely gone ahead and maintained that feel and with that modern twist. And they've definitely gone ahead and been able to change with the times and impressively so. And they've gone ahead and decided to make a gluten-free range where it's just available for people who I suppose they don't know they can go in there and they know they're going to get what you want. I mean, if that's like one of the hardest dietary uh, things to um, Absolutely. to get when you go out. So you know that like at least everyone that attends uh, can definitely get a meal to eat. But uh, yeah, look, um, that's but it's still much the same. That's the cool thing about places like that. They never lose their feel. And I think that's one of the most important things when you've got places that are traditional is that you do keep a lot of that traditional feel to it. You don't to pull away from it, but at the same time, adapt yourself. And that's one of my favourite things about Victoria Hotel. have to hand it to you. Shout out to Anthony, the owner, one of the owners. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that, look, that sounds like fun. This is clearly selling like hotcakes. You've sold out one session already. It sounds like you're getting very close to selling out the second. Certainly by the time people listen to this, there might only be one or two tickets left. If you're keen, jump onto the Good Beer website, search Footscray and you'll be able to find it. But are you a bit blown away by how popular it's been or did you have confidence it would be like this this big? We'd ne- I, I, um, for myself and the previous presidents, you would never run it before and obviously COVID's been in between uh, to, as an option. It was something, as a beer lover, I'm well aware of Good Beer Week and obviously it coincides with Gabs. So it was one of those things where I, I really raised my hand. I'm like, I'm happy to do the history to to a pub culture tour and see how we go. And we were so surprised. Um, 
that it would take off. You never know. It is one of those things where you never know if people are going to gravitate towards it. It's not about, it's about those that would be interested or, or those that want to come and see Footscray. And I, I'm hoping that we've hit a, a, a target here where there are perhaps people out there that wanted to see Footscray but had no, no one out there to show them Footscray. And perhaps that's why they've jumped on. Uh, we don't won't know until we get there and meet everyone. But uh, yeah, so when Sunday actually sold out, that's when we opened up the Saturday. Because if, if this is going to be so popular, uh, we, we, and a good beer league actually called us up and they're like, look, you've sold out. Do you want to open up the Saturday? And we're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with this and see how we go. But yeah, we're all, we're very happy with the response and we hope people enjoy the tour as well. Though. So now we have to deliver, you see, you can talk about a good beer, but it's how it tastes at the end of the day, right? <laughs> Absolutely right. Do you think this might be the new career that's beckoning you, that, you know, you've always thought you're interested like elsewhere? Maybe you're destined to be a beer tour guide. Oh, I don't know. I think I'll stick to urban planning for the time being. But, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll see how we go. Look, if, if it remains popular uh, and people do enjoy it or give us valuable feedback, then there's no reason why we couldn't continue it. And as well, obviously, the traders are happy and there's, everyone's happy to, to go along with it, then I don't see a reason why it can't succeed or be longstanding. Look, it sounds like enormous fun. Good on you for doing it. It's uh, really important to hang on to that kind of culture and to share both the culture of a suburb like that and to share that, you know, that really good old school hospitality beer culture that uh, those inner city suburbs are known for. Uh, I, as most listeners here know, I used to have a pub in West Melbourne and uh, hang around Kensington and Flemington, around bowls clubs and all sorts of dubious places like that. It's just great to be able to see. Uh, and the next generation of people picking up the, uh, picking up the flame and making sure we don't lose that culture. It's great to hear that's part of your ethos. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think there's a definite emphasis that needs to be put, again, um, looking through the lens of pub culture, I suppose. I think one of the biggest things that I'm really big on encouraging is not drinking culture, it's pub culture. Because I think, like, the drink is one thing, but it's also the environment and the feel of a place. I mean, that's really what brings an experience, in my opinion, by all means. Anyone, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but that's definitely something I'm trying to make everyone aware of and think about. Absolutely right. Look, I hope it's a great success. If people are interested in learning more, well, uh, you can jump on the Good Beer Week website and uh, if for some reason you're listening to this in the future and you're thinking, that sounds like fun, I want to make Julia do that tour for me and my mates, well, I guess you can get in touch with her at the Footscray Traders Association website. Is that roughly right? That would be correct. All my details are there. (laughs) Awesome. Look, thanks for your time on this Monday night as we're recording. We uh, look forward to having excellent feedback and fascinated to hear who's coming along and joining in your event. Thanks. Thank you. Well, we're now going to kick along with the second part of our interview here with Christian from Your Mates. Uh, If you have somehow stumbled across this part of the recording in episode 178 of The Cool Room, it means that you probably missed the first part of the conversation in episode 177. So if you haven't heard that part, please go back, 
check that episode out because that's where we're going to do all of the introductions. That's where your appetites will be whetted. That's where we're drinking lagers. That's where we're drinking ginger beers. And that's where we are starting out our journey. Before we get to the Donny Dark Ale, which is what we're going to be discussing right now. So make sure you have all of those things ready to go. Make sure you know the backstory so that when I say Mr Warren Wu, let's kick off with the Donny. It'll make sense to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, rhyming sucks. But anyway... Oh, I'm not rhyming like that, mate. That doesn't suck. That's, that's, that's pristine. <laughs> um, yeah. You could have said yes. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, pristine, <laughs> Christian. Um, yeah, as with the other beers, Le- how about we start with leading us on a little bit of a tour of, of Donnie. Tell us about Donnie. What's Donnie like? Is he good at parties? Is he a loner? Um, he's, he's always... Are they the two options? Yeah, yeah that's it. You've got the two, yeah. It's parties or he's a loner. Um, no, he's, 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 he's at the campfire, mate. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a camping, camping fella. Um, yeah, we, it's smoked porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a bit of a light smoke in there. Um, yeah, real campfire vibes. I mean... It's still, um, I wouldn't call it like super heavy um, in body. Um, we got to remember that we were talking previously about the Sunshine Coast winter, uh, which only lasts for three days. So Donny, um, Donny's got to be a dark beer that you can kind of drink all year round at uh, um, all temperatures. And um, yeah, um, he, he's 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 a he's a guy that. Um, takes a while to, um, you know, get to know you. But once you're Donnie's mate, that's it. You've got a mate for life. What's the inspiration behind Donnie? What gave birth to Donnie? I'm yeah, it, it's it's funny. It was this, it, For our second beer, it was kind of a weird, probably mm. a weird beer to go to second. Uh, it was probably two things that inspired going, okay, we've got this um, Sunshine Coast, Pale Ale, Lowry, you mm-hmm. know, come out of the surf, smash six of these, like this is a kind of Sunshine Coast in a glass kind of beer, and then we go to this smoked porter. Um, we really, really, really loved uh, White Rabbit Dark Ale back in the day. Oh, yeah. um, still, and still still do. Um, like, it's, again, it's not, a, it's not a super, like, common style, um, although they really brought that style into the kind of limelight with that white rabbit dark ale. Hmm. Um, the combination of that um, with the experience that we had on our first time we could find someone to contract brew our beer. Um, or second time, the first first keg we ever contract brewed was with Bacchus with, with Ross um, down at Capella Bar there. Um, absolute legend and all the guys that, 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 that worked there and still work there. Um, but um, could only they could only do one keg at a time. So we were kind of ready to go, right, oh, like we we put all of our put all of our um, savings together, which was uh, okay, kind of probably a few few thousand dollars and we're like, okay, we we're looking for someone to make, you know, twenty kegs for us. Um, and um, we found this brewery the only well the only brewery we could find that would do it for us was this brewery up in Baffle Creek. Uh, Baffle Creek Brewery, it was called, um, which was run by uh, a Bavarian 
uh, brewer called Bert. So he, <laughs> Bavarian trained brewer, um, living in, um, living in Germany, got sick of, um, like, you know, we talk about Sunshine Coast having like, um, a pretty high level of breweries per capita. Apparently like over there in Germany, it's like out of this world. So he, he, the brewery he's working for went out of business. He bought it for like a dollar and moved to Australia. And he chose the area of Australia that he could find that had the least breweries around it. Um, and that was Baffle Creek. Um, it's also no, there's no breweries around Baffle Creek and there's also nothing around Baffle Creek. So it was pretty, <laughs> you know, when one, in one respect, it was a good decision. Another respect, maybe like a kind of strange decision, but yeah, he had some capacity. He invited us up. Um, we drove five hours up to Baffle Creek um, to have the brew day the next day. And um, yeah, like, found this old Queenslander in the middle of nowhere and he came down exactly as you would have expected, like rosy cheeks, wearing his car keys, uh, wearing his like um, Birkenstock kind of style sandals. And um, yeah, man, like then from, from there into the night, um, it was, it was, it was German sausage and it was, um, and it was smoky bock beers all night. Like it was this smoky dark beer and he would he said he lit the campfire and he just would not let our glass get empty. Like it was just like, as soon as he got close to being like, just a, like not even a mouthful in there, he'd be topping us up, topping us up, topping us up. Absolutely amazing beer. Like it was just kind of like one of those revelation moments for us. Um, woke up the next morning, hung over as all hell. And he's like, obviously, so, so um, piss fit around that. And he's like, come, like, we're going to brew, like, get in the car. And we just spent the day, like, leaning up against empty kegs, trying to sleep and learn absolutely nothing on that, on that trip. Um, but that smoky bock stayed with us. And, um, yeah, it was definitely, like, inspiration for this, um, for this smoked porter. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a weird beer for us to choose as a second one. Um, but, mm. but also Donny people, are frothers, they love, they just love it. Yeah. I love that story. And yeah, it's a great story. I love the fact that it is it, like, uh, it's kind of like, forget this is an important, this was an important, got a really enjoyable mates moment. You just need to stick into a can. Mm. I'd say it's definitely our ode to Bert. Um, and you know, the best part about the whole thing was, is that he offered absolutely no guidance on scaling up that 50 litre recipe. Anyone who knows anything about um, beer and hops knows that you don't just put 50 litres in and then multiply it by, you know, whatever it is to get a thousand litres. And he just Oh, says, if only it was that simple. Goes, you, you want to brew this recipe. Are you sure? And I was like, yes. And he brewed it and it was like <laughs> oh, 100 IBUs or something like that. You know, it was just like this mouth-puckeringly, like, undrinkable beer that we got. And we were just like, oh, my God, what the fuck? We <laughs> ruined. <laughs> I've, got, 
got to say that the phrase, how hard can it be, springs to mind. Like, you've already got a good recipe. It makes a perfect batch at 50 litres. How hard can it be to make a bigger version? Yeah, yeah. naive, naive, naive. And, and, yeah, just one of those moments in, in, the, in the early days that we just thought, what, like, this is it. We're, we're done. We're fucking going to have to give up. Like, um, And somehow we managed to navigate that and... Um, and yeah, there's another hurdle in the in the your mate story, but yeah, I mean we love Bert um, and 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 that that Smoky Bock beer. I mean we've tried to emulate it as much as we can in this, and it's never hit like it hits. It hits. We like like we I love where this beer hits, but it's never the same as what that what that Smoky Bock that he was pouring out of these like plastic juice bottles that he just like decanted off of his fermenters, yeah. <laughs> now, now, I've got to ask, Mr Warren was going to return us very soon to our formal uh, question sheet, but before the show, you hinted at the fact, not even hinted, you said you were on Shark Tank, and I'm really fascinated to know, was this one of the beers that you took to Shark Tank, or what did it yeah. look like when you yeah, were at that, that stage, at that stage, um, when we pitched to Shark Tank, we still only had two beers. So, like, that was, like... Four years. Good time ago. to ask the question. I didn't realise that it could have ended really badly if I'd got that wrong. Or four years like of our business where we only had two beers. Like and and like I've spoke. Like, I don't know if it was off camera or not, but I spoke about our kind of philosophy that we kind of out of necessity had to do with me being kind of our head brewer and and us not being able to. Um, pay someone who had some like real good experience. Um, it was like, okay, we just do one beer at a time, we nail it, and that's when we do our next beer. Um, and, and, yeah, like four years, we only had a pale and a dark ale. Um, and, yeah, had the opportunity to um, to take those two beers um, with us um, and, and pitch to the Sharks in... In early 2018, um, the the IBA, the Independent Brewers Association, was actually the ones that suggested um, suggested that the the Shark Tank was looking at our industry and was interested in in, in bringing in, in, in looking at potential uh, breweries that, that might be looking to pitch. And um, yeah, we we jumped on, filled out the, half filled out the form, and kind of went, oh, this is a bit hard. I eh? um, um, taking a little bit of extra time and we don't have a lot of time on our hands. And then and actually the show called us up and said, hey, you guys should finish off that application. Finished the application, went down to Brisbane and you do like a, a pitch in front of like, I guess, casting agency and um, ended up not not making it on the show. And we was like, okay, cool, that's that's all good. Um, we were we were kind of at the stage where we were looking we knew, like, we knew that the only way to take the brewery to the next level, um, we'd been contract brewing for four years, is to is to find some sort of investment. Like, we'd put everything that we had into into just basically keeping um, the current business afloat. We had no, like, we had no no cash, um, and um, yeah, we, we were looking for that, looking for that investment. So. Um, we knew we knew the business back to front, and we knew kind of the um, we knew the numbers pretty well. And, and Shark Tank gave us a call out of the blue. Hey, someone's pulled out of the show, or something's happened. 
um, you guys, you guys still keen? And we said, yeah. And they said, well, two weeks time, um, you're going to be in Sydney and you're going to be on the show. And, um, yeah, that was pretty wild couple of weeks. And, um, Matt and I sat, um, sat in the apartment in Sydney the night before and said, okay, well, this is it. Let's make sure that we don't, we're not standing in front of the sharks and then they give us an offer and we say, oh, and we kind of stumble. We're going to decide what our best number is now and not while we're standing in front of them. Um, and yeah, went on the show. Um, it was, it was, in, it was, man, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and it was. Uh, I kind of know about the show, like, but I, I don't think I've ever watched the Australian version, to be honest. And I've probably only, like, I, I know the show without ever having watched it. What's it actually like to be on? Is it a sort of a, um, a fun experience or was it just. It was, it was fun. We sat there for ages while other businesses were doing their pitches and like, you kind of, they're not allowed to, when they come back, they're not allowed to give any kind of indication of like whether it was successful or not. And so there was that awkward moment when they'd come there and just make you even more nervous. Like, <laughs> we were just bloody bunch of nerves. And um, Did you watch other episodes of it? Did you do what they do on Beauty and the Geek and try and nut out the series before you go on there? Or is that just what I'd do if I was on Beauty and the Geek? Yeah, no, nah, not really. I think because one of the questions the Sharks asked us is like, have you actually ever watched this show before? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, fu- the the weirdest part of the whole thing was like, you know, like you, they film you walking up to the door, you know, before the uh, doors open and then you go out and, and face the Sharks, you know. They've only, they've actually only got two cameras on what you th- kind of would imagine would be a pretty high budget production yeah i agree um so they filmed us like five times just walking up to this closed door closed door and they're like okay this time the doors are going to open and you're going to walk out stand on the little x that's taped on the floor the shark's going to be in front of you and it's going to take us about five to ten minutes to race these cameras around and get them into position before we start actually like before you give the pitch and we start actually filming the, the show. So you've got five to ten minutes where, like, I mean... You stand around and look at each other. You can you can stare the sharks down. You can kind of smile at them. You can staunch them out if you want to, if you think that's going to be... So, yeah, we walk out there and just this awkward five to ten minutes and um, while we were waiting, waiting for the cameras to get in position, um, we did the... Did the pitch, the two-minute pitch, um, and then they just grill you for about an hour. Um, we ended up getting a kind of like, oh, you know, an off. We did get an offer from um, Steve and Glenn um, that was as for more than half of our um, that they wanted more than more than half of our brewery, and we politely kind of said. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, they they actually did offer us for some mentorship after the show, and we we got to go and hang out with them um, in Brizzy for a couple of hours, and 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 kind of um, talk to them about what they think we should be doing and things like that. Um, what did they tell you? Like, it was it was is it stuff that you've held on to, or is it stuff? Um, it was. It was more confidence filling, you know, like ultimately they were like, you know, if, if what you're telling us you're doing, you're actually doing, um, then just keep doing it. Keep, mm-hmm. keep, 
keep true and 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 keep um keep working hard and um yeah it was it was it was it was, it was nice to you know because so, there's a lot of moments in 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 these businesses where you just think fuck what are we doing like <laughs> no idea what we're doing here we're just making up as we go um and to have someone like yeah Stephen Steve Black, Baxter and, and Glenn Richards kind of say yep just keep doing what you're doing if 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 this is if if what you're telling us is true then um it's working and just yeah just double down and um yeah it was yeah it was really cool really cool to get that advice and and that was um yeah after we went on the show we managed to um raise that um uh, bit of capital and um and build the build the brewery in Warana or the first the first stage of it anyway um how much well they gave you the advice to keep on doing what you're doing are you actually keeping did you keep on doing what you were doing <laughs> um yeah yeah we we i think that that's one of the things that there's it's it's we try to we try to keep things as simple as possible at your yep. mate and it's and it's really really easy to get distracted and be like, oh, there's an opportunity to do that there or there's an opportunity to do this. Oh, we should pivot here and we should do that. We should do that. that. Like, and, um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's complex enough just like having a small core range and, um, and, and making like, you know, brewing beer is complicated and enjoying beer shouldn't be. And that's where we kind of keep trying to like focus on, keeping it simple uh, and um yeah i think that i think that we are still doing that and i think that that's um probably part of the reasons that we yeah we've 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 achieved more than what we ever expected it's, um, a, it's an awesome answer i've loved where we've gone so far we're about to move into our traditional questions and then we might have some time for some audience questions. So if you're joining us live in the Zoom room, we love the fact that people come online with us on a Thursday night. Start to type your questions in now. Warren Wu will do the traditional cool room questions, and then I'll start to coordinate the, uh, the viewer questions, the Q&A here in the room. So type your questions in, and I'll organise those to happen. Um, so the traditional cool room questions, there's kind of... Well, I'm breaking up into two a little bit. So what's your favourite piece of kit at the... Um, at, at, your mates, what's the piece of equipment that, that you just, you love, you actually enjoy using? Oh, shit. That's a bloody great question. And I actually probably haven't prepped myself on these, um, on these stand, on the, these standard cool room questions. I mean, obviously, apart from the cold, cold room, uh, <laughs> the integral part of any uh, brewing business, um, I think that. The piece of kit that's um, been the most um, most exciting thing for me is is packaging. Um, I really just think that's just like we 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 have just upgraded our packaging line um, recently. We actually just bought the um, pack the the old packaging line off of um, the guys at Hawkers, off of oh, Nath, okay. um, who was uh, on the show just recently. So yeah, go back uh, and listen to that, and and thank goodness you didn't say Sunshine Coast after what they told us about their packaging line. Go back and check the archives for that one as well. 
<laughs> um, yeah, it's just, there's just so much, like we, we've just expanded from, um, so we had, we built our dream brewery, um, 41 Technology Drive is the address of it um, up in Warana. Um, so we're doing everything in the one site. We had the tap room there. You could sit in the tap room and you could watch the packaging line happening. And, you know, we were doing the pa- the old packaging line we had did like 30 cans a minute and it was running five days a week. So people would just come and sit in the, sit in the tap room and like, there's movement and there's so much like theater and things going on in the packaging line. Like brewing is again, like that's my, that's my heart and soul is making beer, but it's not really much to watch. You know, you've got a brewer brewer kind of standing around for a bit, maybe comes, walks up and down the stairs a a couple of times and maybe opens a couple of valves here and there. Uh, But the packaging line is movement. There's things happening all the time. And, um, yeah, we've, we've just moved, we've just expanded into the shed next door. So the tap room's still at 41 technology drive, but where the, where the packaging line was previously, we've just, we've converted that into a, into a function space, uh, like a little bit of a barrel hall where we're starting to collect barrels and, 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 and work on that program. Um, and so we've upgraded the packaging line. It's now um, it's now a full counter pressure rotary filler, and it is just mesmerising just to watch the moving parts and the cans spinning around. Like it's hundred cans a minute now is what we what we package at, and it's just wow. like, yeah, there's, there's no there's no other way to describe it but mesmerising. It's beautiful to watch. Eh? It's uh, like yeah, I could just I could just stare at it all day. I think you've hit on something really important. Like most brewery tours are boring as fuck apart from the packaging line. Like that, that you're totally right. Um, I went to Budvar and the most impressive part of Budvar, and I think I've said it on the show before, is these bottle washing machines which will bo- wash 80,000, wash and sterilise 80,000 bottles an hour. Like, it, like these, and they've got them... It's like remarkable. It's enormous, and like, and ridiculous. But they're the best bits. It's the movement. It's the action. It's yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of the question is, what's the piece of kit you really want to get your hands on? What's the thing? Yeah, what's the equipment that yeah? What's the thing we really want to get our hands on? Um, I don't know. We're pretty like. Um, we're in a really good spot at the moment. We've, mm. we've really like we've we've undergone a bit of an expansion in the last twelve months, and we've we've been able to purchase a lot of the quality um, equipment that we've been kind of dreaming of for a long time. You know, like some some of the stuff that really has helped us um, test dissolved oxygen, test our ABVs really accurately, to test our um, carbonation levels. You know these these pieces of equipment are just insanely expensive. And, you know, we went a long time in our brewery. We're just not being able to afford it. And, um, yeah, we've got a, we've got a dedicated laboratory now. And, um, yeah, we, we, we're able to test for micro and infections and, and, and dissolved oxygen. And, and, and really like it's, it's, um, I think I'm still just reeling off of like 
how much we've leveled up all that kind of gear in the last 12 months. I mean, like you can, I mean, it's like anything you can just keep throwing, keep feeding the, um, keep feeding the monster and keep buying more and more and more and more. But, but I really am happy with the point we're at right now. And, um, and, and, and the ability it's given us to like really get consistency and quality into our product. Um, before we ask the super traditional Karun question, I thought we might just divert because we did mention Gabs and we mm. did mention that you'll be in Melbourne. And I think for a lot of our listeners, especially our local ones, that's really exciting. Kind get your beers and meet you guys and see you guys. So first of all, Gabs, the, sorry, macadamia and white chocolate stouts is the Gabs beer. Im- Imperial. The don't, forget, don't, don't forget Imperial. Oh, right. Imperial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the big difference. Mugs is rocking it's out the Imperial. It's <laughs> an important differentiation. <laughs> so you'll be you'll have that at Gabs? Um, we're, we're, we're pouring on the container bar. I'll yep. be down there with my business partner, Matt, and a couple of the, uh, couple of the team. We don't have a stall. Uh, but we will be floating around Gabs. Um, the main session that we'll be at will be the Friday day session. Oh, yeah. Um, potentially um, the Saturday day session as well. We're not we're not locked into that just yet. If you're um, there on the Friday night, the cool room is just taking over some tables on the Friday night. I say this both to you, Christian, and to anyone else who's listening. We're just going to gather together, check out nice. our Facebook for where we're going to be. I have no idea where that will be. We're just going to take over a spot. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I mean, I love love Melbourne Gab so much. It's 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 just got such a vibe. We were talking about how much better Brisbane has been getting in the last um, few years, um, but it still doesn't hold a candle um, to that Royal Exhibition Hall. Oh man. Um, and mugs. Like one of the interesting things was Mug, Mugs mentioned how how your standard Brisbane was going off, and a lot of the time, and maybe it's because I'm I'm a Sunday I'm a Sunday session person, and it and it's and everyone is just smashed by by Sunday, so it's really <laughs> subdued. But the, but a lot of the yeah, we don't necessarily get the massive like thrashing party vibe at the Melbourne one. Maybe it's only Sunday afternoon, but yeah, it's it sounds like it sounds like your stand in Brisbane was going off. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool to hear. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Brisbane was just going off full stop. Like it was a, it really was a, a pretty cool vibe. I mean, we had like there was a half pipe in there from actually from one of the other um, Sunny Coast breweries, Black Flag, and um, yeah, some some really cool stalls um, and. Um, yeah, I'm 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 stoked to hear that um, that your mace was going off, but uh, I, I reckon that everyone was going off the, at, at that Brisbane Gab. Such, uh, you know, we only got we only have the one day, remember as well. So um, oh, yeah. we don't have an opportunity to take it easy on Sunday. It's just like all in or nothing on the Saturday. Ah, uh, very good. Um, will you be? Have you got any other events lined up for for the kind of the beer festival, the beer festival times? Um, yeah, just, just, we'll have the stall at Brisbane Gabs. Um, we'll be down at Melbourne Gabs. Um, there'll be a few of us at Melbourne Gabs wearing your mate's t-shirts. So yeah, feel free to, um, just bail us up and 
and and talk shit. And um, yeah, we'll be we'd be stoked. Uh, have you got any? Oh, sorry, you go, David. Oh, I was, I was just going to say you hinted before the show when we were sort of before we pressed record about some of your early Melbourne Gabs experiences. Um, I love this story. I mean, the first time you came down here for Gabs on behalf of your mates, how did all of that work? Oh yeah. Well, no, that was well, this wasn't the first time we'd been down for Gabs, um, but it was um, it, it was just last year's trip down to Gabs. So um, the main. We didn't, yeah, we didn't have a stall here last year as well. We did Sydney instead, but I was down in Melbourne to do the Brewers and Chewers, um, down at the local tap house in St Kilda. Um, we were presenting our cold IPA at the session, um, and I couldn't manage to find um, any way of getting that beer down to St Kilda that wasn't just going to cost me an arm and a leg. Um, so I decided that um, I could pack a pair of jeans and a, and a good jacket and survive in Melbourne and fill the rest of my um, suitcase up with two cartons of um, cold IPA. And, no one uh, in Melbourne needs underwear. That's the takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> and I pretty much crossed my fingers that, like, the actual suitcase was, first of all, going to arrive, and second of all, wasn't just going to arrive full of fucking cracked cans. Uh, but it worked. We jumped off the um, jumped off the plane into a cab straight over to the uh, local tap house um, in St Kilda and got the beers on ice. Um I think they did stay cold. Like, I think it's pretty cold in the, like, kitchen compartment yeah, yeah. at 38,000 feet anyway. So, um, yeah, it worked out really well. Um, wicked event, that Brewers and Chewers. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, such a such a sick venue, the local tap house down there. Mm. Yeah, we're really lucky to have that. Um, a whole bunch of good venues, but that one, yeah, that one's a pretty awesome one. Yeah, I mean, was that? It's like the home of Gabs, isn't it? That's where Gabs was mm. first held. Yep. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, okay, we should ask the traditional cool room question. So what is the craziest, smelliest, most ridiculous, amusing thing that you've ever had in the cool room? No, I mean, like we we yeah, we understand that you probably had a few, so yeah, this is high hopes here. Let's talk cool rooms. Let's talk. What's the smellest? Um I reckon our best cool room story um, involves uh, a chainsaw, um, <laughs> forklift, and um, yeah, that's all we've got time for tonight. But anyway, that's fantastic, and we'll go. <laughs> <out there. laughs> um, we yeah, back back in the very very early days um, when we started contract brewing, uh, and we needed a cool room in our. Well, in our shed, so the reason I actually moved into our shed, first of all, um, in, like, we, we were back in the scrapyard bar, um, brewing on the plastic Kmart kettle fermenters. That was a mad workplace health and safety, um, issue, um, in hindsight. Um, and we saved up, um, a bit of cash and thought, um, we, if we want to be a professional brewery, we've got to get professional equipment. So we bought a, a 50 litre Braumeister. Um, it's like the kind of like bee's knees kind of um, German homebrew kit, basically. And um, 
yeah, we, we, we purchased it and got it to our house and realized it was 15 amp and, and asked our landlord, Hey, like we've got this piece of brewing equipment. Can we install a 15 amp PowerPoint in our garage? Um, and she went to the owners of the house and said, Oh, the guys living there want to install a, a distillery in the backyard and um, <laughs> I don't do this. And the landlords were like, no, we will not approve that. So Perhaps not unreasonably given how it was put to them. Yeah, yeah. She didn't do a very good job of that. Um, so then we um, we had no choice but to, to get a little 60-square-metre shed um, in the Moffat Beach Industrial Area. Um, which we had for uh, for a while, and then when we started contract brewing, we needed somewhere to store all the beer, basically. Um, and so there was an old um, bait supplies place down the road where we heard that these, like, metal fabricating, like, characters were trying to get rid of um, a cold room there. And they had a cold room and a compressor um, and... Shit, yeah, we we jumped at it. Um, cut the cut the cold room in half. Found someone who had a forklift, strapped to the forklift, drove the forklift across to our shed. Had like twenty blokes, just fed them with fed them with like test batch Larry pale owls back in the day. That were who knows? Well, this is back before we had any good equipment to test ABV, and who knows um, how strong <laughs> they were. Um, fed them full of piss and they like helped us move and push the thing into position. Um, it was a cracking day. Um, and then had, yeah, got the compressor delivered and, um, had someone who actually knows something about cold rooms and compressors, have a look at the compressor and said, this thing is cooked, mate. This is like, take it back to this guy and like, you know, you can't pay for this cause it's just, it's just, it's done. Um, and that's where we actually learned how shady these characters that we bought this cold room were because, you know, we had our launch, we had a little launch party for, to celebrate our first contract batch of beers planned for that weekend. And, um, we returned this compressor to them. Uh, they basically threatened us, to say we're coming down to break your doors and we're taking that cold room, like the panels back. Um, we don't like, you know, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's and, why we're called the cool room. Not because we're cool. Because yeah, yeah. Like, and for us, like back in those days, it was just like, that's it. We're done. Our whole business is over. We're actually probably going to die here. Like, let <laughs> Yeah, you, you'll the, abandon everything just to be alive and have both yeah, legs yeah, within yeah. a meter of your legs. Yeah. Let alone being able to like continue this business, we might be actually like going to have like no kneecaps or something like that. <laughs> it was um, it, we actually it was wild. We were fearing for our uh, for, for our safety. Um, that didn't eventuate. I think we might have like played things in our head a little bit more than uh, what actually happened. We got a compressor installed. We managed to get the beers cold for that launch party and um it was cracker so um yeah yeah it was uh it was just uh, it, that was one of the things that's always like we, we always talk about the cool room crew as those guys who like back in the day who like actually just thought you guys are idiots like what the hell are you doing like you know you're talking about starting a brewery like but we'll come and drink free piss and move this cold room for you like that's the full 
that is the spirit of your mates is just getting in and like helping each other out, having a crack and just going, yeah, like this is a pretty dumb idea, but fuck it. Let's go for it. And the phrase, how hard can it be? Like how hard can it be to make a cool room be cold? Yeah, exactly. Much harder than you think. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty hard to move the thing, buddy, 500 metres down the street, that's for sure. <laughs> um, we're going to tick over now, I think, into, uh, into some questions here from the audience. Question number one is going to be Mark. Mark, you're a big Your Mates fan. You suggested we get them on the show. I am so glad you did so. And um, we'll kick off with your question about where the team are up to with the journey. Yeah, thanks, Dave and Was And uh, yeah, Christian, thank you so much, mate. It's been a great chat. Love all your beers. R- really nice. Um, we've heard a lot tonight about your journey, which has been fascinating and, and, and quite a quite a good laugh and um but also about your business plans and your mon- uh, mentoring and goal setting and so forth but um just a two-part question um have you made it do you feel that you've actually made it from when you first started to where you wanted to get to and also basically where from now have you um like reset new goals like well, what's next in your journey that's a Excellent question, mate. And it's something that we like definitely um, think about, think about a lot because, yeah, like this kind of whole, it's really easy to get sucked into this idea of like just continuing to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's what we kind of keep pulling ourselves back to say, like, wh- why are we doing that? And I was like, like that Benny Summons that I mentioned previously, like, we, we moved into this shed next door well expanded into this shed next door and he's like okay well, like what 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 is your guy's goal what do you want to do and we're like well we calculated that we could do we could run the brewery 24/ 7 seven days a week we can make 10 million liters like that's our that's our goal and he's like well why don't you just get another shed once you get to 10 million liters like that's not a good enough reason that's not a good enough reason to have a goal just because that's what you can do in that space. Um, and that was kind of the aha moment for us where we were like, oh, okay, like, hey, hang on a second. Like, that's not how – that's not how you come up with a goal. we go, we got to look at, like, what – yeah, why we why we started the business, what are the reasons that we got into got into brewing and, like, what do we want to achieve and what does success look for us, look like for us. And, and, um, and we're – we're in a position at the moment um, where we're four, like we're like we're, we're four, like kind of around that four million liters is 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 kind of the goal that we have, uh, which is which is a lot less than what that goal of kind of ten million liters um, per year was, and um, yeah, it, it's it's a kind of goal where um, it enables it enables us to kind of. Um, really enjoy the business, and um, and 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 we're still ambitious as well. We like we really do believe that um, what we've kind of the beers that we've made and the brand that we've created is something that we can we can we we really want to see like yeah where it can go, and um, and without getting greedy, we think that that's a really nice sweet spot to kind of go. 
yeah, that's 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 what we'd like to sustainably achieve um, and not just grow and grow and grow and like be um, and compromise what we what what we believe in just to kind of hit those targets and keep and keep and keep that growth trajectory up. Um, but I mean, like also has the destination been reached? I mean, like I said before, like, man, we pinch each other so much. Like we never, we never dreamed that we would get here. Um, let alone, uh, let alone have dreams of doing kind of more than what we're doing right now. Um, uh, but we're, we're still enjoying the ride and, um, and we've got amazing, amazing people, um, involved in the involved in the business like from from both levels you know the people the people who like are working for us like it's just inspirational to us to see to see the passion that they have for the product and 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 see it become bigger than us yeah so yeah it's pretty special and um we're pretty we're pretty stoked with everything we've done have you actually sat there with your partner with a cigar after closing night one time and and actually high-fived each other said, shit, yeah, we, we've done it. Yeah, it's definitely um, something that we have to remind ourselves all the time is, is part of, like, our our catch-ups. We do a monthly, like, kind of founders, directors catch-up where we, like, remind ourselves we've got to celebrate the wins because it's so easy to just, like, hit a milestone and then be like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Um, without taking that time to be like, are you kidding? Like, we just, like, you know, we got number three fucking four in Gabs or we got fucking this. Like, we've just done this unbelievable thing, like, for this small little brewery from the Sunshine Coast started by two guys who had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Like, yeah, we 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 really, we really make sure that we celebrate those wins because it's easy to, um, yeah, maybe we don't necessarily have cigars, but like we do sit there and we have a beer and we go, fuck yeah. How good is this? It's a great bit of life advice. I really genuinely think no matter what trade you're in or what you do, everyone has that capacity to go, what's the next problem rather than just sort of sitting down on a Friday night and going just wow. Imagine where we were in your case, you know, not just 10 years ago, but four or five years ago. Mm. And, you know, overnight success, it's that old story, isn't it? Overnight success takes years and years before you get there. Yeah. Uh, we've got one last audience question left, and it sort of follows on a little bit in terms of our guests' ambitions for the future. Uh, James, wonderful to have you back in the country. What's your question, my friend? It's a rare cameo for me, David, but um, wonderful to hear from you, Kristen, that it's such a wonderful story for your brewery. Um, what I'm interested to know is if, you know, you have a plan to collaborate with others to make a mega beer. Yeah, collaborations. Um, we've actually not done a lot of collaborations um, in our um, in our brewing history. So it's a, it's a good it's a good question. It's something that like um we are open to um but we're always like searching for that for that right project or collaboration um to work on and it's and it's not always just necessarily looking at other breweries 
although like for me like personally like there's so many breweries i'd love to collaborate with you know like there's so many amazing amazing breweries that um are such inspirations to us like even locally like you know in our neighbors with with um with moffat beach and down south with like Bolter and Corumban Valley, Black Ops, you know, like we've the Hot Nations down there and, and, and Grifter in Sydney. There's so many breweries that I'd I'd love to collaborate with. Um those opportunities um again, like it's just not been something that we've chased um as a business. Um and I think that it's just always come back to that us trying to keep the main thing, the main thing and trying to keep laser focused and um, like enjoy ourselves and, and get to do fun things. But, but also like looking at collaborations with people outside the beer industry, you know, like we've just, we've just started um, a not-for-profit up called the Mateship Foundation. Um, and that's, that's that kind of, we, we do two big charity events each year, um, where we do get to collaborate with like uh, we do a meets for mates we we call it meets for mates and we we collaborate with a bunch of like local butchers and local guys who run like come in and, and run the smokers on site and um and 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 all these other kind of local uh, businesses that uh, that help us run those run those events and, and connect people and and um yeah yeah we're it's kind of like uh, a beer collaboration is probably something we haven't focused on, but we have done um, a lot of other collaborations that are kind of a little bit outside the box on, on those things. But yeah, like I said, it's, um, it's something that we would love to do. And I think we will do it more one day. Um, and we're just going to let it happen naturally. Well, that might be the kind of thing that happens when you're just hanging around gabs, perhaps down here in Melbourne, uh, hopefully we get the opportunity to meet up with you in the flesh down here, get to be part of those conversations. Um, you've been so generous with your time tonight, mate. I really appreciate it. I know the people in the Zoom room really appreciate it. I know Mr Warren Wu appreciates it. He's giving me the thumbs up. That's sure sign that that's the case. Uh, mate, we, we, we love this. We did just get a little message from the guys at Carwin about the... Um, about the advent calendar, although I probably can't even say that I did get an email from them. Uh, maybe forget you heard that, okay? I'm just responding to that little uh, message that's, from Steve there. That's uh, our eight thirty-seven scoop. And um, anyone who's not following along at home, I'm glad to hear that because, of course, the cool room and Carwin work very closely together. We have our black box coming out for our Christmas in midwinter that we're doing together. Mate, it'd be great if you were in that pack come Carwin Advent time. Yeah, that'd be very cool. That'd be very cool. Uh, There's still a lot of work to do to make that happen, that's for sure. <laughs> Mate, you've, uh, you've, you've made the long journey in not just from Queensland, from Mars. We've neglected to make that joke all night. You've got <laughs> the Mars scenario behind you. Just give people a little bit of a picture about your your evening, and with this just adds to why we're grateful for why you've been on the show tonight. You're sitting there in the nursery, I believe, up in Queensland. In the nursery, I'm actually on the rocking chair right now. I think you can see the little the arm of the rocking chair every now and then. Oh, I wasn't sure what that was. I'd leapt to my own conclusions. 
<laughs> um, and we've got the Mars background, which was saved on my Zoom account from my um, my son's first birthday, Hugo Mars McGarry. His middle name is Mars, and we had a little Mars theme to the uh, to the birthday party. And I figured, why the hell would I change the background? Um, how how cool do <laughs> how cool does it look? <laughs> It looks very cool, mate, and I think that's it's just added to our understanding. You know, we've tasted the beers before, but to have the chance to hear all of the stories and to really grasp how you guys think about the brewery and why you started it and why you're continuing with it is truly awesome. For people who want to follow the Your Mates story uh, online, what socials should they be finding and following? Um, all the usual ones, um, Instagram, at Your Mates Brewing, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. TikTok. I found you guys on LinkedIn, which was really wacky. I love that. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, we're there. Uh, I'm not on LinkedIn. Should I be on LinkedIn just to make myself really official in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not getting a hell yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I mean, our website, yourmatesbrewing.com. Um, we have a YouTube channel as well. We like. Uh, uh, do some videos around uh, getting out in the backyard and uh, fishing, camping, um, all that fun stuff. And, um, yeah, yeah, check us out. Awesome, mate. We will certainly do that. We look forward to welcoming you back to the show in future times. But, Christian, for your time tonight in the cool room, we're very grateful and we thank you. Cheers, mates. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really was a, um, yeah, great session. Thanks, mate. Awesome.